Good morning. It's great to see you. Thanks for joining us, whether you're here in the building or whether you're checking us out online. It's great to have the kids with us here this morning, and we're excited about that, right? Yes, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, we are still in our shadows series. It's the final week in our series when we've been talking about how Jesus overshadows all of the Old Testament, and all the, all the way through it, we see how Jesus is engaged. He just is the story within the story. And we saw that all the way from Adam and Eve, all the way up through Mary and Joseph. And today we're going to talk about how Jesus overshadows our lives as well. We're going to be in John chapter 17 for our text, if you want to go ahead and get to that. Our Bibles are always really important. We encourage you to bring one, whether it's printed or electronic. If you have the electronic U version, you can go on live events and find Discover Christian Church. And it has the outline, and you can do notes and everything right there in the text. Today's theme is about messages. What messages are you sending? All of us are sending messages all of the time. It's just a reality. Whether we want to be sending messages or not, we are. And if you're not sure what the messages you're sending are, ask the people around you and they'll tell you. Because <laughs> a lot of times we don't even know what messages we're sending. But we send messages all of the time. What we want to make sure is that the messages that we are sending out are actually the messages that Jesus wants us to send out. Now, when I was thinking about messages, um, I just had to take a sidebar here and talk about texting for just a second. Um, also on social media, this is a totally different, it's not in the notes, and the guys are like, where is he now? But anyway, um, don't be, just be really careful that the messages you put on social media are messages that Jesus would be okay with. I mean, honestly... Um, I'm really embarrassed sometimes to see the things that people who are Jesus followers post. It just kills me. Um, and I'm sh pretty sure it kills Jesus too. Anyway, um, and I'm, I talk about myself there. I'm not uh, casting stones. I'm saying, yeah, I'm there too. Um, so we need to be careful there. But on text messages, um, sometimes it's just funny when people, you know, you have autocorrect and it'll do some things. This is a very rated G version here. I know some of you are like, what's he going to do? Because you've seen some of those. But anyway, we're good. I just want to give you some. These are moms and dads learning how to text, okay? So these are extra special. So this is the first one. I'll read it in case you can't read it. Um, this one's from Britain. It says, it's mum, not mom, it's mum. Finally, you've entered the digital age. You've got a smartphone. How is it? Mum? Hello? Why aren't you answering? And then one word, how do you do a space? From mom. Uh, here's another one. Uh, mom says, please stop changing the Google logo so much. I like the original one. Mom, I don't change the logo. Google changes it. On my computer. You don't run the Google? If I did, I wouldn't be driving a 2004 Ford. Another one, this one is pretty famous. You've probably seen this one. Your great aunt just passed away, LOL. That's what mom said. Why is that funny? It's not funny, David. What do you mean? Mom, LOL means laugh out loud or laughing out loud. And she says, oh my goodness, I thought it meant lots of love. I send it to everyone. I have to text them back. So there's some mom texts for you. Well, not to leave the dads out. Here we go. Um, I think I can read them all right. All right, so dad, uh, trying to wish you a happy Father's Day. So this is to the dad. Trying to wish you a happy Father's Day, on your, but your phone is off. Unhappy Father's Day. You remembered. Yes, I may be your least favorite child, but at least, but I have the best memory. I don't have a favorite child. I dislike everyone equally and each in their own special ways. Well, that's the nicest thing you ever said to me. So. The next one, 
Dad says, just killed a really big bug or really big spider near your bedroom. Beware. Yikes. Thanks, Dad. I would have freaked out. You're welcome. I left its body on the floor so the other bugs know not to mess with it or mess with me. Uh, Ew. Dad, clean it up. I don't want to see it. And then this one, which my kids would say, yeah, this is my dad. He says stuff like this all the time. Are you guys coming over this week? Yeah. Coolio. No one says that anymore. In fact, no one ever said that. I just invented it. That's why. My kids are here, and they are saying, oh, my goodness, that's so true. Again, we all send out messages all the time, but we want to make sure that our messages are messages that make Jesus happy. And the only way we know what those messages are is to read in God's Word and see what He says. So let's take a second, and let's pause and pray, and then we'll jump into John 17. God, we sang what our prayer is to be like you. That's a hard thing for us, certainly for me. We pray that you would empower us to be more like you as we surrender more of our hearts to you. And may the message that we proclaim be the message that Jesus would proclaim. We pray in his name. Amen. Well, there are several messages that Jesus has for us. Um, One of them is in John 17. We're going to read this. We're going to talk about the messages in general, come back to this and unpack it a little bit, and then make some practical application. So we're in John chapter 17. We're going to start in verse 20. This is Jesus, the night that he was betrayed. So we just celebrated the Lord's Supper. After that, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Um, and Jesus begins to pray, asks his disciples to pray with him. They fall asleep, but Jesus is praying. It's a very long prayer. If you have the Bible that has the red letters, like pages will be in red. So uh, John 17, verse 20. Jesus prays for all kinds of things, and right here he is praying for us. Jesus is looking into the future, and he's praying for us. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Again, to be like Jesus. That's our prayer. Jesus should overshadow our lives. In our vision statement, to reach, love, imitate, and duplicate, imitate is what this is about. Imitating, becoming like Jesus. And again, there are several messages that Jesus gives us. There are several messages that the Holy Spirit inspires people who wrote the New Testament to, to, for us, that are for us to live out. And I want to be interactive for a minute, and uh, we don't normally do this, but I want you to read along with me. So I've got these cool signs, and uh, I'll just read it, and then you say it back to me, okay? So make sure you say it nice and loud, all right? So here we go. These are things that we as followers of Jesus need to do and be about, all right? So the first thing is make disciples. Ooh, you guys are good. All right. The next thing is uh, a series of things 
that the Holy Spirit produces in us if we are followers of Jesus. Again, if we're going to be like Jesus, we have to do the things and be the person that Jesus is or is, would like us to be. So, nine characteristics of people who follow Jesus. These are things the Holy Spirit produces in us. We can't do them on our own, but the Holy Spirit does it. All right, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All right. Then there are some things that we need to do. Now, not coincidentally, the first one of these is the first characteristic of a follower of Jesus who is empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is also the word that is used most often. It's the thing, these are things that the Bible says we need to do. It says you need to be about these behaviors, okay? So these are our actions as followers of Jesus. And the first one, not coincidentally, is love. We are also supposed to pray for each other. All right? So we love each other. We pray for each other. And we encourage each other. We instruct. Some of them say exhort. It's to admonish. It's to say, hey, man, we need to be doing a little bit better here. Here's some stuff I see. You guys need to help me see the stuff that I'm not seeing. All right? So here's some stuff I see in your life. Remember that thing about the plank? Jesus says, take the plank out of your own eye. Then you can remove the speck from your brother's eye. So it's not a judgmental thing. It's about saying, would you help me see this plank in my eye? Let me help you find the speck in your eye. So we instruct each other. We encourage each other. We exhort each other. All right. We're also supposed to serve each other. We're also supposed to greet each other. And it's, this is always says greet each other with a holy kiss. Of course, in our context, that would be really awkward. But when we were in Venezuela, you would the guys... Um, to ladies would, would do the kiss on the cheek thing. Ladies to ladies would kiss on the cheek and guys would either hug or handshake. But that's greeting in whatever culture and whatever context you're in. We need to do that as well. We greet each other. All right. We also bear with each other. That means, man, we got to be going through this and we, uh, it's, it's kind of hard sometimes. We have to bear with each other. The last, or maybe not the last one, another one is submit to. You didn't say that one very loud. Submit to. I hate this one. Okay. Just saying, I am a rebel. Um, I really am. I, I try not to be, and God is changing me maybe a little bit over time, but I'm, I have a hard time with submission. Uh, I'm just saying. Okay. Um, another one we are supposed to not do is to don't judge. And again, you're allowed to be a fruit inspector and stuff like that, but um, you cannot judge each other. You can say, hey, Jesus said you know a tree by its fruit. Another one is to confess to. Okay, that's another one that, this is where discipleship groups really come in on a lot of these, because you're probably not going to, like on a Sunday morning, you're not going to stand up and say, hey, I just wanted to tell you all I've been out killing people. I'm actually a serial killer, so needed to tell you that. But whatever thing that you're doing, that you need to confess, we're supposed to confess to each other as followers of Jesus. And that really happens best, I think, in a D group, discipleship group context. Wow, this one's huge live at peace with. Man, that's, that's a big one. So those are things we need to do as followers of Jesus. That's the message that Jesus wants us to take to the world, all of those behaviors. Even more importantly, though, than doing is being. Jesus wants to transform us, to change us. The Holy Spirit wants to, again, produce that fruit in our lives. There are things that should just be natural outgrowths 
These aren't things we do. These are things we are, all right? So we're supposed to be these things, and there are several things, again, listed here. One is be kind. Be compassionate. Be devoted. Be peaceful. Be patient. Be humble. And now this says the Lord's Prayer. Um, and really when you think about this, we have this understanding of a, a verse or a, a passage um, where Jesus is talking about prayer and his disciples say, would you teach us how to pray? And he says, sure, let me give you a model. And that's what we typically call the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name, etc., etc. And it's fine to call that the Lord's Prayer because that's kind of what we have grown up to hearing that it is. But really, in a lot of respects, the Lord's Prayer is here after Jesus goes to the Garden of, and in the Garden of Gethsemane when he is praying. That's the Lord's Prayer. I mean, it is pages of his heart being revealed. And when Jesus is praying for his future followers, again, for us, for the people who were there, for generation after generation after generation, people who were making disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples, one of the things he prayed for is really important. And it's what we're going to kind of talk about for the rest of the time, is to be one. Say that. Be one. One more time. Be one. Very, very important. That's what Jesus asked his father for when he thought of us. He said, I pray for those who will believe in me that all of them may be one. Father, as you are in me and I am, and I am in you. And later he said, that they may be one as we are one. Now why is this so important? Partially because Jesus said a house divided against itself can't stand. But I think the real reason for us is that if we aren't one, the message is messed up. You see, Jesus does not cast two shadows. If you think about a silhouette, you know, a shadow, it's just a thing, you know. So we'll pretend like that's a shadow. Well, this is what happens a lot of times when people look at Christians. When they look at Jesus, just one. When they look at Christians, they see two or more. That happens a couple of ways. One is when we say one thing and then we do something else. That's called hypocrisy. It literally means to put a mask on. You're two-faced, right? I say one thing, I do another two shadows. Not this overarching shadow of Jesus. It's two different things. Jesus prayed for his followers to be one so that when people looked at the church, they saw one body, not two or three or 50 or a thousand. And so often, we are not one. But God said, I want you to be one. You need to be united. You need to be allies. You need to be together. You see, we were made for this. We were made for unity. Jesus has given us some of his glory. 
He says that in this prayer. And what is this glory that he is giving us? It's not to be Jesus. It's to be like Jesus. It's the glory of being united with God, being united with each other, and being united in the message that we proclaim about God. It's what we were made for. But let's be honest. Unity is hard. We all have strong beliefs. We're convinced ours are correct. So we look at people who share our intelligent positions while we disparage people who are unintelligent that don't agree with us. That's problematic in the political arena, but it's devastating in the church. As followers of Jesus, we have to be committed to the non-negotiables of faith. We need to know what those are. We need to stand for them. But most of our divisions aren't over doctrine. They're over people's opinions. See, unity doesn't happen when people align with my beliefs or your beliefs. Unity happens when we align with God's truth. There's a cool saying that our movement called the Restoration Movement, of which our church is a part, and, um, but it didn't start in the Restoration Movement. It's a really cool saying. It says, in essentials, unity. So on all, all the things that are really important, and you can find out what those are by going to our website. You can look on our what, it, what we believe statement. We want to be united in those things. Those are the we're taking the hill for Jesus kind of things, and we won't back down. In essentials, unity. In opinions, liberty. Now, there are some essentials that aren't listed there that we as a body believe, but a lot of the time when we, when we divide, it's over things, again, that are opinions. We don't want to be divided over opinions. We just want to say, hey, in an opinion, you have your view, I have my view. A lot of times, like starting in the 90s, kind of, there was this division that came about in churches because, oh, we used to use hymnals, and now we don't use hymnals anymore, and now we're using screens, and da-da-da-da-da. You know, every era of the church is contemporary music. I don't know if you realize that. <laughs> it's reality. So if you go back far enough, like when Martin Luther wrote A Mighty Fortress is Our God, he wrote the words, he borrowed the lyrics from a bar tune. I mean, borrowed the music from a bar tune. That probably played well in the church, right? Oh, Yeah. Bring that drinking song in here, and let's use it for God. But that's what he did. Bach, even going back before him, was like super, I don't know if he was before or after. Sorry, you guys know. But anyway, Bach, when he played like his organ stuff, was, he got in trouble playing pipe organ, right? Because it was too crazy. He was like using these intervals you weren't allowed to use and these sequences you weren't allowed to use. It doesn't matter what era you're in. You're always thinking, well, what I grew up with was traditional, but the people who grew up with you, the ones who were 30 years older, and you were saying, why are we singing all this contemporary stuff? How great thou art has not been around forever, folks. It was written in like 1935. So for my grandparents, it was brand new. Anyway, that also wasn't in the notes. Sorry. In essentials, unity. In opinions, liberty but in all things love. I love that. In essentials, unity, in opinions, liberty, but in all things love. I just read yesterday um, something that Francis Chan wrote about this idea of unity. He said, real love, unity, and blessing are supposed to be found in the church. Many are having a hard time finding that, so they're setting off out 
setting off on their own. Jesus said the world would see the supernatural unity and love we share in the church and believe in him through that, but we're not experiencing it. We've given up on it. We no longer believe it is possible. No. I mean, I agree with him that that's where we are, but I want to say no to that last part. We no longer believe it is possible. We do believe it's possible. We're going to vow not to give up on what Jesus prayed for. This is also really important. When you're talking about being one, being unified, it doesn't mean that we're all the same. The Lord our God is one, yet God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are being conformed to God's standards, but we are not being cloned. Paul talks about this. Each part of the body is different, yet each part has an important role. You were designed with unique gifts and talents and experiences, and so was I. So as image bearers, our diversity, our experiences, and our gifts working together empower us to bring glory to God in ways that we can't individually. And see, God is the empowering part of that. So we can impact the world. We can change the world, not because of who we are, but because of God working through us. We were made for this. Watch this video. Jesus had a dream for us, and we can help it come true. Jesus said, when we are one, then the world will know him. If Jesus told us to go and make disciples and taught us that unity was vital for people to know him, and he did, then followers who are not unified will struggle to make disciples. Unity requires a radical shift in our independent, self-serving nature. Bottom line, being one means we are committed to making sure people know Jesus, not making sure they know we are right.
big difference. So here's a great New Year's resolution. If you're thinking about one, make this your resolution. I will help people know Jesus and his message. That's my New Year's resolution. So now we ask, bringing it back, what message am I sending? Before you hit send, before you give your message, make sure your message is Jesus' message. We want to be the message of Jesus in what we say, what we do, and especially who we are. So in the coming year, let's commit to this message. I will live out Jesus' prayer to be unified, to be one. I will live out the message of the mission and vision of Discover, and we're going to unpack that all next month in January. I will share the good news of Jesus. I will be overshadowed by Jesus and allow people to see him and not me. And if God and God's creation declare God's heart and God's message, then so will I. Let's pray. God, may we be like you. May we share truth and hope and love and be all of the things that you are calling us to be. We're so grateful that Jesus left heaven to come and impact our world. And we're grateful that he's given us the opportunity to impact the world as well. May we do that as one body, as one people who love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand.